Welcome to another episode of Bear Books Podcast. I'm April Berry. I'm Daisy Ray. It's your book review, I think, today, Daisy, isn't it, that you're doing? You think? Of course it's my book review. What do you mean you think? Well, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm, I'm not keeping up with the times, am I? Where are you anyway? I know because we're recording this podcast not together. So whereabouts are you at the moment? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> I am at the moment in my makeshift portable studio, which consists of my iPad and a microphone that I've plugged into it and the headphones because I'm on holiday and I'm at Withensea and it's beautiful. I've seen the pictures on uh, Facebook of Ruby enjoying herself running around. Yeah, Ruby is my little shih tzu for anyone that doesn't know, and she loves the beach. She adores it. She runs around like a little mad thing. And what about you? I don't run around like a little mad thing. I'm way too old for that shit. Thank you very much. (laughs) But I have read a book, and I have done a review. What have you been reading? So I have read Melina McKay's book, which is called The Headmistress. It's a lesbic book. I think we have done one previously in another season. I think we we did Victoria Holmes way back in the day. We did. What's a lesbian? Lesbian fiction. Right, okay. So where did that abbreviation come from? Whenever I'm online and I'm reading about these books and authors and the types of stuff people are writing in genres, there's always with the hashtag, hashtag lesbian. So I guess it's just been shortened and hashtagged for ease. Yes, but you speak English, not hashtag. Hashtag do I though? I think I'm too old for all of that. I think that's why I don't do social media quite as much as you do. Yeah, but you should. You should do social media. Yeah, I suppose so. Anyway, speaking of conversation, um, what are you doing first? You review or you reading? Well, I thought it would be nice to do. I'll do the review first. I'll let you know a little bit about what I thought about the book, and we can have a bit of a chat about that, and then. What I'll do is I'll do a bit of a reading and then you can make your own mind up about the style of writing based on that, I guess. And we can chat about that, too. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. The Headmistress by Melina McKay. I feel like Melina McKay grew up reading Mallory Towers, much the same way that I did, really. And this book is a sort of natural progression with a little Harry Potter thrown in. And I would also say it took me maybe two or three chapters to settle into reading this story. If I was scoring the language used in this book, I'd give it a good 7 or 8 out of 10. McKay is a bit of a wordsmith and that's one of the things that will generally impress me. I would like to have known more about Sam Threadneedle, the main character, her upbringing at the school and her parents' backstory. It hinted at being fascinating and then it was left at the door in favour of the sexual tension that was shoehorned into every possible scene, whether it was relevant to the story or not. Sam, on the surface, is written as feisty and passionate, despite needing a little more self-belief. And isn't that something so many of us can relate to? Nicely done. Also, I thought, her character lost some of her credibility because she could barely get through any scene without having to pine for, swoon over, lust, love, or dream about touching the headmistress. Just because the two main characters are lesbians, 
Does that mean that sex has to be in the forefront of their minds the entire time? I have never met anyone that shallow. We don't need the lesbic angle reminder quite that often. That said, the actual storyline is quite intriguing. A school in danger, lives in peril, a beautifully diverse and inclusive cast of characters, an atmospheric, slightly gothic setting with the three dragons. The story is terrific, a page-turner, unpredictable, and Willoughby was a nice touch. I did wonder if he was named after Holly Willoughby's, <laughs> pushing that shallow angle a touch more. Really appreciated the whodunit angle. One of the best parts of this story. Would have loved more of that and a little less of the swooning. The characters did grow over the course of the story and I enjoyed all the little reveals. Also liked the fact that McKay didn't shy away from addressing some of the LGBTQI struggles, like letting it be known that, without giving plot points away, there are people that continue to live in the closet their whole life. There are people thrown out of establishments because of their sexual preference. There are people who are still small-minded, cruel and ignorant around subjects that they don't fully understand. These are the things that made sure that I read this to the end and the reason I would consider picking up another lesbic book in the future. Maybe it's not all shallow clit-led titillation. I didn't like everything about this book. I did roll my eyes on occasion. But I liked it enough to finish it and I liked it enough to want to see more from Melina McKay. So, grown-up Mallory Towers. Well, yeah, because you and I both grew up reading Enid Blyton, Mallory Towers and St. Clair's in your case. And this book is Mallory Towers grown up, I guess. The lesbians. Is that the only reason you read it or because you thought it might be sort of grown up Mallory Towers? I often wondered, you know, if Enid Blyton had some underlying sort of current in those books, because when you read them, as an adult, and I don't know if you have, they're just weird. Okay. <laughs> she might have had tendencies that she was exploring when she was writing them. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder. Right, Sam Threadneedle, not enough backstory. What did you want? The story was excellent. And Sam Threadneedle, she'd been abandoned by her parents, um, left at the school, and she was brought up at the school. She was just this orphan child that had spent her entire life at that school. She's so invested in the building and the life and the history and everything to do with it. They could have explored a lot more of that. And who are her parents? We do eventually find out who the father is, but we don't know who the mother is and we don't know what their backstory is. And there should have been more of that because I am 100% certain it would have made the story much meatier. Okay. The other thing that made me laugh about your review was was the just the sex thrown in just for the sake of it. And that's always my issue with any lesbian fiction and, and romantic fiction per se, to be honest, a lot of it. There's just a sex scene for the sake of a sex scene. It adds nothing to the story. It, it's just a waste of words as far as I'm concerned from an author. Well, I do think there is a time and a place for it. The problem is the time and the place for it was surpassed so bloody often. 
it is a shame because the story is actually really, really good. There's just so much going on that is so much better than, oh, it's lesbian fiction. We've got to have two women swooning over each other permanently. So you mentioned in your review Willoughby. <laughs> yeah. Willoughby is just a sweetheart. Willoughby is the cat. And Willoughby doesn't really like people very much. And Willoughby has this routine that he follows every day. He follows the sun around the school. So he's got all these strategically placed cushions and places where he sits as he makes his way from room to room following the sun throughout the course of the day. And he just lets himself into wherever. Doesn't care about the people. Go and lay down in the sun. All four feet in the air. He doesn't care. And that's Willoughby. He's lovely. Oh, that's so sweet. Attitude. He's got attitude as Willoughby. Your review did have me thinking, actually. I mean, I am going to read this book purely because of some of the stuff that you've said, because you said there were little reveals in it. Yeah. And I don't suppose you can give away what those little reveals are, can you? Well, I don't want to give any spoiler points away for anyone that hasn't read it that wants to read it. Okay. So what bits were you rolling your eyes over? That was another thing I found quite intriguing because I can imagine you sat there reading, rolling your eyes. So come on, spill. It is literally how much swooning is going on. Ah, right. Okay. Having said all that, I think what we need to hear is a little bit of this story. Yes. What I'm going to do is I'm taking you right back to the beginning where we are first introduced to Magdalene Knox, who is the headmistress when she first turns up at the Dragons, which is the school. Okay, thank you. I honestly don't know much. I actually met Magdalene Knox some years ago, when the board was still paying for me to attend all sorts of conferences and represent the school. She paused, either for effect or to carefully consider her thoughts, Sam did not know. Well, don't keep us all on tenderhooks now, Orla. The whisky was clearly making Rovington braver. Let's just say, if we get out of this with no more than having a Knox on the board and nothing else, we will have dodged an enormous bullet. Because if Magdalene Knox follows her husband and somehow sets her sights on dragons, she will ruin us all, my dears. She will ruin this school and everything we hold dear. Sam's heart stuttered in her chest as Orla threw back her mug and choked on the dregs of coffee and whiskey, coughing. Rovington jumped to her feet to pound her on the back, and Joanne was rummaging in her purse and producing a tissue. But Sam could barely see or hear their scrambling or the cacophony of sounds surrounding her. Her thoughts running wild from all the revelations coming her way, Sam glanced to her left and her heart stopped beating altogether. Right there, in the massive oaken doors to the mess hall, stood a tall, willowy figure and observed the situation unfolding in front of her from behind large aviator glasses. Her head was slightly tilted to the side as if she was paying close attention to the less than dignified scene playing out in front of her. But the corners of her mouth were curled in a disdainful smirk, showing exactly what she thought about what she was witnessing. Finally, when Orla's cough was reduced to an occasional wheeze, the figure stepped into the light. Her four-inch red-soled heels the only speck of colour aside from her flaming red hair. Her steps produced a loud clacking noise that penetrated the chaos in an instant. 
Sam's mouth was dry, and as the woman took off the large glasses with a flourish, she couldn't help but gape. She knew she probably looked ridiculous, like a total rube, but in that moment there was absolutely nothing else for her to do but stare at the newcomer. Sam felt rooted to the spot, completely bewitched and helpless to move or say anything. It was a familiar feeling. Hell, she'd just been reminiscing about that very state of helpless abandon, delivered by those same long, perfectly manicured fingers that were now holding the clearly expensive glasses. Well, this is cosy, Dr Fenway. I can see why the school is millions in debt and dead last in all the state and regional classifications. With its faculty gossiping and imbibing second-rate alcoholic, she paused dramatically and raised her hand to look at a stylish large watch that was hanging off her slim wrist. Ah, 10.30am. Isn't drinking on school grounds against the school charter, my dears? The velvety voice practically spat the last words, clearly mocking Orla's customary term of endearment that she'd used just moments ago. Which to Sam meant only one thing. She must have been standing in the doorway long enough to hear Orla talk about her, to hear them all talk about her. With the black dress hugging all her lithe curves, the woman took several more strides into the mess hall each step sounding like a gunshot. Out of the corner of her eye, Sam could see Willoughby stand up, stretch, take in his surroundings, and vacate the premises to proceed to his next sunspot. Sam had a distinct sensation that most of the people in the room would have followed him given half a chance. My name is Magdalene Knox. I am the new headmistress of Three Dragons, and you are all fired. That was actually quite interesting because I noticed in the review you said that the headmistress, what's her name? The original headmistress was Orla. The headmistress that the book is about is Magdalene Knox. That's the one, Magdalene Knox. So so what's the problem with Magdalene Knox? Magdalene Knox has a fierce reputation. Everybody is frightened to death of her, to say the least. And when she descends on your school... As Orla was saying at the beginning in that reading, she was worried that if they just end up with a knocks on the board and nothing else happens, then that's a bonus. And they were scared stiff that she was going to just shut everything down. And, and as you saw at the end of that reading, the first thing she did was fire everybody. Well, I mean, the thing is, that the, from what I gather from that reading, is they're all sat around in a staff room drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I think I'd be inclined to fire them all as well. But one of the things that I did wonder was actually not heard of employment law. That's hilarious. I love that. I don't think the author was thinking about employment law when she wrote it. No, possibly not. And why is the old headmistress still not the headmistress? Does it give you any explanation? Well, she's been the headmistress for like at least a couple of decades. And the school is on its knees financially. She takes on too many scholarship students when the money's not there. She's not spending wisely the money that they do have. The school is run by a board of trustees who manage everything, the finances, what they're allowed to do, and the type of education that they can offer. And Orla, she was a lazy headmistress. She just didn't do stuff that she was supposed to do. 
So they, they reckon that a knocks on the board, would that get them out of financial problems? If the knocks on the board wasn't going to come and interfere and shut them down because they were behaving so badly, you know, like you have a table of all the local schools and they're all like ranked in order of success or education mm-hmm. or Dragons is at the bottom of everything. They're just a non-entity. They're a non-starter. They're not a good school. It's a boarding school. If people aren't sending their kids to live there, then it's going to shut down anyway, eventually. Well, aren't teachers drinking in a staff room at 10 o'clock in the morning? Doesn't that tell you something? It does, really. And it is is half past 10 in the morning, and she is adding plenty of whiskey to that coffee she's drinking all the... They're panicking because there's a knocks on the way. Right, okay. So although that's that's just sort of like the reading. So going back to the book, I know you can't really give us the ending, but how successful is Magdalene Knox as a headmistress? Um, well, I can't tell you too much about what Magdalene's like as a headmistress. I can tell you what she's like in bed, what she likes. Not so much about what type of headmistress she might be. Right, OK, so that's most probably then why you've given us the <laughs> that sort of review about the book. Yeah, all about that. As far as the school is concerned, there's a massive, dramatic turn of events towards the end of the book that I cannot tell you because it will categorically spoil the story if you've not read it. But it's out of Magdalene's hands and it's out of Sam Threadneedle's hands what happens to the school towards the end. And what happens after that is where the school ends up being, which I can't really say. No, I mean, from that reading, it's a a fairly well-written book. It was decent dialogue. It was, so I am going to pick it up and I actually am going to read it. It is actually a really good story. I know I'm like dissing the fact that there's just like lesbian sex all over the place and you're like falling over it on your way to the good stuff. But the good stuff is there. And like I said before, she addresses all these LGBTQI issues so that she doesn't just shy away from it. I was going to say, because I'm assuming she's not still married to the husband. I don't know if they are divorced or divorcing. I can't actually remember fully on that point in particular. But he does come to the school with her because they are still working together. They are both at the school and it is quite a fraught situation okay because i mean um, you're saying that they're, they're possibly going through a divorce and you know given the fact that she's jumping into bed with teachers i can see why they might be divorcing i think magdalene's always been gay always always but it's one of those scenarios where people end up living either in denial or in secret or feel like they need to conform to the norm yeah inverted commas I'm glad you've said the book, though, deals with with the issues of uh, LBGT plus stuff uh, really well. Yeah. I am going to have a read of it, absolutely. That part and the actual bones of the story make it worth reading. The story itself is really, really good, really, really meaty, and the language that um, Melina McKay uses, I am a fan of. Okay, that's good. Anyway, speaking of language that people use, um, we have got our final episode of season four coming up, and it's a flash fiction episode. I'm really excited and really looking forward to it because it is author's choice. 
So the stories that we've had submitted have been about absolutely any subject that anybody's wanted to write about. And on our next episode, we will be inviting more than one of those authors to come in and to read and talk about their stories. And talking about stories, don't forget that Bear Books Podcast has put out its anthology in the last couple of weeks. It is available on Amazon, so go off and get your copy, either e-reader, paperback or hardback. And all profits from the sale of the book will be going to the Book Trust. Excellent. I love that charity that we chose. Yes, please do go and buy it and tell all your friends about it. Buy everyone for Christmas. Yes, it makes a perfect stocking filler for Christmas. Anyway, speaking of Christmas, are we going to be putting anything out at Christmas? This is such an awkward time to bring up a conversation that we haven't discussed previously, a Christmas special. I think we should. Ooh. We'll just, make the decision on the next episode, though. Yeah, I've just dropped that in there. Until the next episode, you take care and we'll speak to you soon. Bye, all. Thank you for joining us. Now you've had a listen, why not pop over and join us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter? Or if you want to send in your stories, email us at submissions at bearbooks.co.uk. Bye.